Hello, and welcome to the What's Next podcast. My name is Liz Smith, owner of Liz Smith Law, and on this show, I share conversations to investigate building and leaving your legacy, estate planning for young families, supporting aging loved ones and parents, and other topics around aging, death, and other life transitions that will affect each of us. This is your source for hard-to-find resources in Southeast Alaska and beyond. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get each and every episode of our show. Hi there, and welcome to our next episode of What's Next. With me as my guest today is Jason Dyke. Jason is a 19-year employee of AT&T. He has held numerous management roles within the company and currently serves as business development manager for AT&T's connected car relationships with Hyundai and Mazda. In June 2017, after the tragic loss of his 11-year-old son, Carson, Jason founded the nonprofit organization Carson's Village. Carson's Village is the only organization in the United States which provides free and comprehensive care and support to families who have experienced the sudden loss of a loved one. Jason works with hospitals, school districts, and other organizations to ensure that families and employees have access to end-of-life care when they need it. Today, Carson's Village has helped nearly 2,000 families from across the United States, employs eight part-time and contract employees, and is rapidly growing. Carson's Village has been recognized as the organization of the year, small by DCEO, a 2020 advisee of the Social Venture Partners Dallas, Spark Tank 2020 pitch winner, and a finalist in the United Way of Metropolitan Dallas's uh, Social Innovation Accelerator. You can tell where Jason is likely from, <laughs> coming to us from Dallas. Uh, Jason serves as a board member for the Koppel ISD Education Foundation and as a mentor for United Way of Metropolitan Dallas's Social Innovation Accelerator. In addition, Jason has, is a requested business advisor and speaker, as well as a member of the Dallas Regional Chamber's Leadership Dallas Class of 2022. Jason was recognized as a 2019 Collin County Volunteer of the Year finalist by the Junior League of Collin County and received the 2020 AT&T Community Impact Award. Jason holds a BS in Civil Engineering and an MBA from Texas A&M University. Jason is the proud father of Alex, a sophomore at Texas Tech University, Ryan, a freshman at the University of North Texas, and Carson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. So are we, well, let me just give some background to listeners. Um, I had, I, at reading your bio, there's a lot of Dallas intertwined quite far from Juneau, Alaska. And uh, you run quite an interesting organization that had contacted me as they're developing their resources in terms of estate planning attorneys around the country. And I was really interested in the organization. So I'm happy to dive in and find out what you're doing and helping individuals both as a resource for clients. And then you just, I, I sounds like a story. I won't say an, a hard story, but something that would be interesting to share. So um, you lost your son. I did. In uh, 2017. Jason, why don't you tell us a bit about how, what led up to Carson's Village? Okay. Um, so as you said, I, I live in the Dallas area, a little town called Capel, uh, just north of the FW airport. Uh, I, my wife and I have since uh, divorced, but at the time, uh, April and I have three boys, Alex, Ryan, and Carson. 
Uh, Alex um, currently is the oldest. He's at uh, sophomore at Texas Tech. Uh, my middle son um, is at uh, UNT. And then my uh, youngest was uh, Carson. And on April 27th of 2017, my life changed forever when I suddenly lost my 11-year-old son, Carson, to suicide. Uh, it was a Friday. Um, I volunteered that morning at Junior Achievement, and I came home, and Alex, Ryan, and Carson were all at the house, uh, and Carson had had a bad day, and he talked to his mom a little bit, who was a special uh, special education teacher, and we thought everything was was fine, and so Alex left to go uh, to high school for an event. He was a trainer. Uh, April wanted to go see the neighbor's house. They had done some work in their backyard, and Carson was not in a good mood, so he decided to stay, so April and Ryan and I went to the neighbor's house. Uh, we were gone for about 30 minutes and I was getting hungry. So April said, why don't you go, you and Ryan go back get Carson, come pick me up. And so Ryan and I went back to the house and by then the sun had set. And so the house was all dark. Um, I went upstairs to uh, to Carson's room to, uh, to get him. And I walked in and I built him a loft for Christmas uh, about a year and a half previous to that. And it was really cool. I had a custom headboard, footboard, safety rail, had a ladder going up the side, a desk underneath it, um, even a place for him to hide his money from his brother's. Um, you know, we, we worked really hard on that together. I uh, was very proud of it. And when I walked in the room, he had taken a pair of pajama pants and hung himself in the safety rail. And I found him and I had to take him down. I tried to give him uh, CPR. I yelled to Ryan to call 911. Unfortunately, by the time Ryan came in there, Carson was already on the ground. Um, Ryan called 911 before I knew it. The paramedics were there. The police was all in the house. Um, they tried to resuscitate him as well, but I, I, I knew he was gone. Um, and then I told them that I needed to go get April. And they said, well, if you leave, it's the scene of a crime. We won't let you back in. And I didn't even know I was in such shock. I didn't know what to do. So I just sat there and waited. And then finally, they took him down the, the stairs to the ambulance. And I got in my car and I went to pick April up. And she was walking back with a flashlight in her hand, just walking down the sidewalk. And I got out and she immediately saw my face and said what was wrong. And I told her and she fell to the ground and I picked her up and I put her in the car and we ran around the corner and just all the lights were flashing in front of the house. Uh, they already had him in the ambulance and they didn't let us see him. So we uh, got Ryan, went to the school and picked up my oldest son, went to the hospital um, and they had him there and they pronounced him dead. And you know, parents aren't supposed to pay their, their children. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So um, we saw him. And then, um, oh. then I asked the nurse what to do next. And they said, we'll call a funeral home and they'll walk you through the process. And that was it. And I walked out that night. I didn't know what to do or where to go. I had April and the two boys. And I just said, you know, we've got to be all got to be strong through this. Yeah. And Can so we called stop uh -huh. for just a second. So in Carson's village, I know it was designed to help in that moment, those moments. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're willing, I have some questions of just, I think that would be going through a lot of people's minds. Um, I, I mean, I just can't imagine, first of all, what you went through. Um, and I'm sure you've relived that uh, countless times. Um, were there any signs had he ever said anything about suicide do you have any? No. No, no signs he, he was a very tightly wound kid straight a's he did all his homework on friday night so he could enjoy the weekends he had checklists for everything he liked to get up about 30 45 minutes early so he could take his time eating breakfast and get ready for school and 
um, but no signs. Yeah. And it sounds like you are a really active family. I mean, I can just going through that day, what all the things you were doing and, um, and then, and then before the aspects involved in terms of what was next for him, I want to just circle back. You said a scene of a crime, which hearing that as a parent who just found your son, uh, was, did that go anywhere? Was it pretty clear? Did they well, they, um, so I got, after we got back to the house that night, um, I got a call really late from the detective that was assigned to the case. And, uh, he had called, uh, the, the resource officer that was assigned to Carson's uh, middle school. And I actually started the dad's club at that middle school, um, for the principal. So I knew the resource officer. Um, I, you know, I knew the principal, I knew the staff, and so he, the detective called the resource officer there and said, Hey, this has happened. You know, is there any issues with the family that you know about? And I mean, he literally said, you could line all the kids up one to, I think there were 780. And he goes, Carson would probably be the last kid I would have picked for this. And he said, I mean, nothing, but he, he had to come and he had to see it. So um, I told April she could stay in the room, the bedroom. And I went down, I talked to the officer, but it was, you know, he had a camera on his front and he was recording everything. And he walked upstairs and looked at the bed and, you know, I got interviewed, but not, nothing ever came of it. Cause I mean, yeah, clearly it was by his own hand. So it sounds like probably just pure protocol in that moment. Someone was. Well, I mean, if a child dies in a home, you think yep. an oh, officer yeah. would be dispatched to make sure everything was okay. Yeah, we want that definitely, but um, okay. So you're at the hospital. You ask a nurse what was next. I'll ask the nurse uh, what the next steps were. And uh, he said that uh, I should go to a funeral home. So we walked out that night and we called her family and we called my family and we called what I call our bus family. And I say that because I'm a, I went to Texas A&M and uh, there's a good group of friends I hang out with that we own a Texas A&M shuttle bus together. It's a 37 foot long, 46 passenger bus. We use it for tailgating and A&M games. We've all known each other for 30 years. Our kids have all grown up together. We've gone on probably 85 vacations together over the years. And it's a good group of friends. And we called them and they came in town and took care of us. I mean, they helped us find the funeral home. They, you know, one, one of our friends went to the funeral home with me or with, with April and I, and, you know, at one point they tried to sell me this $800 bouquet of flowers to go on top of the casket. And I thought I need to buy these flowers because I don't want someone to think I didn't love my son. And my friend said, no, we'll put an A&M flag on the casket. And that meant more to me than a bunch of dumb flowers ever would have. And just to have somebody present there to, to help with those decisions was huge. And that was really the inspiration after seeing all the things that my friends had done. And we were, we had, we're tight with the community. Um, April works for the school district. So we just, we had a lot of support and I realized that not everybody has that support. And so after the, the funeral was over, I was just thinking, you know, maybe I could do something to, to pay for that generosity. And I've owned a few businesses in the past and I, you know, I, I know how to start one and, and what to do. And, so I went to the, the hospital where he was and kind of pitched the idea for this nonprofit that would help families, you know, navigate all the things that have to happen like my friends did for me. And they liked the idea. And by June 27th, which was less than two months since Carson had passed, I was a recognized 501c3 with the IRS. Um, I spent the rest of that year kind of getting everything together. And then uh, through the local police department, uh, we had a referral 
and we helped our first family in January of 2018. And so that month we helped four families. Um, now we've helped, I have four advocates that work for me part-time that help families. We have, uh, we've helped nearly 2000 families from all across the country. Um, and we get, you know, we had four the first month and I think we average about four and a half calls right now a day of families that, that are just reaching out and asking for help. And so we, we help them navigate that process from the past and the funeral. We help them find resources that they need. Um, most families come to me and say, Hey, I need to, you know, usually it's two things, right? They need to know where to go and how to pay for it. And so most people don't have the, the ability to call one funeral home, much less more than one and price it out. So we help them identify a funeral home that meets their emotional and financial needs. We help them find resources that maybe they're not aware of that they can help with the family. We put together a fundraising page for them and then we just walk them through the entire process. And then after the funeral's over, they transition over into what we call continuing support. And now they've got a connection. They can call us anytime they want, you know, if they have any issues or questions, but we follow up them either monthly or quarterly to make sure they're healing in a healthy way. Make sure they're you know getting back to uh, reading or golf or whatever it is that they did that that they did before they they had their loss. And although Carson passed from suicide, we help families with any kind of loss. Um, it could be a mom with a miscarriage or you know a, a elderly parent or a car wreck or something like that. And we just we we help them walk through that process and make sure that they they understand everything that they're doing because there are huge financial implications to it. There's huge emotional implications and we want to make sure that they're making the best decision they can for their family. Yeah. And your website talks about a sudden loss, though you did just mention elderly, which might be less, less sudden. Um, you, you know, it's funny. You, yeah. Well, you say it's funny because um, with, you know, a lot of times you talk to people that have lost somebody through hospice and, you know, half the time, roughly, they're all prepared. They know exactly what to do. And then the other half, they don't even want to think about it. They just want to spend every minute they can with their loved one. And then they pass. And they're like, holy crud, oh, what do I do now? I hadn't even remotely thought about the next steps. And so, it, and, you know, and, and we can, we've had people call us up to say, hey, I lost, you know, my spouse six months ago and I'm still struggling. Are there mental health resources you can help us find? And we're, we're more than happy to help people do that as well. Great, great. Can I ask some more in your circumstances? It sounds like this amazing group of friends that stepped up. And what else did you find that they were able to help? Like really specifically, was there, did they provide meals for you? And was there types of help that maybe you learned I that didn't work so well or? Um, um. Well, so one of the things that, that I will say um, that a lot of people gave us gift cards, right? But usually when you go buy a gift card, you go buy the gift card for the restaurant you like, not necessarily what the family likes. So we, and we had gift cards for all over the place. And of course we were very grateful everybody was doing it, but it was, it was a little bit of a hodgepodge. So, you know, one of the things I'd tell you if, if it comes up, I'm like, ask them where they like to eat and then go there and get stuff as opposed to making assumptions on that. So that, that was one of the things that, uh, that, you know, we just, we had a little Ziploc bag and we wanted to go to dinner. We'd go to it and ask the boys where they wanted to go and we'd pull it out and we'd go to dinner. Wow. And, but it, it was nice thing, you know, and it wasn't just the, the bus family that, that helped us. You know, we had people in the community that stepped up. We had all kinds of folks that, that helped us and that we were just very fortunate in that. And they did a lot of different things. I mean, we, we had to put pictures together. We had to, 
make the video. We had to coordinate with a funeral home and, you know, they, they just, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of things. And the house was, Carson passed on a Friday, the funeral was on a Thursday and the house was just full of people for that entire time. And then after on Saturday morning, we, um, the family, we participated in a local fun run and then we hopped on a plane and we left town for four or five days just to make some new memories with the four of us. One of the reasons we did that, we got out of the house and um, we had friends come over and tear down the, uh, uh, the bed, the loft. So they, they, we, we emptied it of all of Carson's stuff and kept what we wanted to before we left. And then they came in, uh, took the bed to the, disassembled the bed, took it to the dump and then uh, repainted the walls and cleaned the room for us. And so when we came back, the room was completely sanitized. Yeah. Okay. And what about your younger sons? What sort of resources did, were they, did they tap into or did you help them tap into? Well, you know, we, we did. And what I would say is everybody heals or, or excuse me, grieves in a different way. And so you've got to be sensitive to that. And all four of us great, had went through the grieving process in a much different way. And so it's, it's really important because People think that if you're not grieving like I am, you're not grieving. And that can cause a lot of stress and additional heartache in the house. If a spouse isn't grieving the way the other spouse is and the spouse doesn't like that, is offended by it, I mean, that can, that can cause problems. And that wasn't our case. We were, we were very fortunate that everybody kind of recognized that we all grieve differently. Some of us went to counseling. Counseling really wasn't for me. And, and, you know, in fact, that's part of the the reason we have the the map that we're developing that has attorneys and counselors because it's hard to find a good grief counselor. Now, all the counselors are probably great, but they're not all grief counselors. And I went to a couple of counselors that were not really good grief counselors, and it it just so my counselors is Carson's Village. You know, I I put all my extra energy into that, and that's that's kind of where I I find my relief. But uh, the boys. Uh, did get some counseling. Uh, my middle son still goes to counseling. Um, so it's just, it's again, everybody does it differently. And are there any, have you developed what's the right, were any traditions around maybe his birthday or anything? Are there things that the family does together? You know, you know what I will say it's the, um, elephant in the room when it comes around to that. It's, (laughs) It no, I think it's it's five years out. Um, I know some, you know, and again, every family's different, right? Some families, I've helped a lot of families that have gone through this too, and some clean the room out like I did. Some leave the room kind of like a little shrine, and they don't touch anything because they want it to be the way it was the day of. I mean, there's so many in betweens, and so we, some people do big birthday celebrations. on the one year anniversary, we rented an RV and drove uh, from Dallas through Oklahoma and Arkansas, just trying to get away for um, on the one year anniversary. And then, for, you know, we did the, uh, excuse me, that was the one, that was his birthday. That was the first birthday after he passed. Then on the one year anniversary, we actually left town, but all the the, the bus family threw, had us down at College Station, kind of, kind of had a, a, a go on, like a little, I don't want to say party, but like just a gathering. So we, didn't have to be by ourselves on that one year anniversary of his passing. So it just, mm-hmm. but we haven't done really 
anything special. We've out at the cemetery, there's a little a butterfly garden and we, we have a butterfly with his name on it. Um, but every day I use his name and every day I get to say Carson and, and be a part of Carson's village. So I, for sure. that's how I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's dive in some more about Carson's village. Tell me about the advocates. So all our advocates are licensed uh, social workers. Um, and what the way you, uh, the families get connected to an advocate, we, they can either go to our website, which is carsonsvillage.org, or they can call our toll-free number. And the toll-free number, it's 877. And then have you heard the joke why six is scared of seven? No. Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> so that was a dad joke I used to tell all the time to the kids, and they hated the joke. And now it's part of the phone number forever. So dad wins. That's so, great. <laughs> yeah, so it's 877-789-0722, which is Carson's birthday. It was July 22nd. Oh, wow. Okay. So they can call that number. Um, there's a, it's just a call center. They All they do is take down the information, who you are, who passed, what they passed from, where you are, that type of thing. And then it gets entered into our, our system. Uh, an advocate is then assigned. And then a notification email goes out saying an advocate's been assigned. We, uh, we tell everybody we'll call back within two hours. We really try to make it quicker than that if we can. Uh, sometimes just with workload and, and whatnot, it, it may take the two hours, but uh, they get a, a message saying, please don't make any major decisions because that's usually when families kind of get behind the eight ball a little bit because they think, oh my gosh, I've got a, I've got this pressure from the hospital to release the family, I release my loved one, or I've got to decide on a funeral home. And we tell them, you know, Give us, give us 30 minutes. You know, an advocate will get assigned to you. Give us 30 minutes to call around. Let's get a plan in place. Because if you knee jerk and just release your loved one to a best funeral home, that may not be the one that is priced the way you need it to be priced or may not be the right one for your family. And then your loved one's already there. And that kind of makes it a little tougher to, to make things happen sometimes. And so you're designed that someone's calling the advocate like immediately when someone dies. Well, well, so usually what happens is a family member or friend will step up and, and want to help mm -hmm. and they'll be referred to, uh, they'll be referred to us through any means. Uh, we've got relationships with hospitals, police departments. Uh, we're on the Red Cross's uh, national website, Salvation Army, however it is. Um, and they call, they give their information, an advocate will contact them. And then they'll say, okay, you know, let me, let me find out what's going on because every situation is a little different. You know, and they'll walk them through, you know, where's your loved one? Okay, um, we can help you find a funeral home. Are you wanting to do a burial cremation? Um, is there a certain cemetery? You know, how many people do you think would attend? We just kind of get a lot of those questions. And then what we do is we call three or four funeral homes. We say, here's the situation. You know, what's your pricing? And um, we'll get the pricing from them. We'll discuss it with the family, pick the one that makes the most sense. And then we'll get the family connected to that funeral home. Um, and, and usually... You know, it helps by doing that. We can go around and we can make sure that we know, um, you know, what it is that the family gets. So we can make sure it's priced right. And for instance, you know, we had a family call out of San Antonio and they just wanted a, a cremation. And a, you can, in Texas, you can get a cremation for 700 bucks. You know, I do a direct cremation. Well, the first funeral home I called, it was it was like 28. The second one was 21. Third one was 21. And the fourth one was like $820. And boom, I knew that was the one we were going to go with because that would, they were very price conscious. Um, but if they didn't know that, if they called the first one, you know, that's not the price they're going to get. 
and they don't, and if they don't know to call around and ask, then they, you know, they're going to end up paying more because they think that's what you're supposed to spend. And so we, we walk them through that, that whole process when they, when we start talking with them, we make sure that, um, you know, see if they need to make, uh, need financial resources. If so, if there are resources we can, we can connect them with, we will, we're not funded to pay for funerals, but we do know resources that are available in certain cases that may be able to help. And then we give them, you know, thoughts of where they could go or what they could do to find it through their network. And then we'll put together a fundraising page that will help them uh, raise money. Uh, and because we're a nonprofit, we get uh, uh, lower rates of processing and um, set that up for the family for free. What about someone who is not price conscious? Are there other considerations, questions that they might ask? And, well, and I should say that just to give you context, we only have one funeral here. Yeah. But it's still really good to know about what the services are and what, yeah. Well, it is, you know, and I tell every family that, that there, there's no right answer or wrong answer. It's just what you, what, what you want for your family. And I, I'm not paying for the funeral. So I, to me, I don't care how much it is. Do you want to spend 20 grand on a funeral? Spend 20 grand. If you can only spend 700 700. But what I do is I, we have those conversations with the family. So we know where they're, where they are and we give them all the information they need to make, make the best decision they can. Because when they're not talking to us, they're either making assumptions or only calling one funeral home. They're, they're, they're limiting themselves and all funeral homes do basically the same thing. The, the difference in the price is which, what, which area in town are you in? You know, the, the nicer parts of town, they have nicer facilities, they're upkept, they're, they're bigger, you know, they're fancier, and you're paying for that. And, you know, in a part of town that maybe is not, is a little more economically challenged, it's an older building, they're not keeping up with the outside, because it's just, that's the area of town they're in. But they all do the same thing. And so we, we just want to make sure we find one that, that matches the needs of the family. Okay. Great. And what else are advocates doing in that kind of initial period? Well, so they're going through, and like I said, they're all trained social workers. And during that initial period, it's very operational. I mean, it's a lot of just, I've got to check these boxes off, right? I got to get the funeral set. I got to figure out where we're getting flowers. I got to, Aunt Sally and Uncle Joe are coming into town. Where are they? I mean, just, it's all this really operational stuff. Um, so once we get them through that process, then that's when they move into the continuing care. And that's when the, the um, advocate really starts to listen. You know, we'll, we'll reach out to them. We'll talk to them. We do these surveys where we kind of call the family. And, and, you know, we try to make the conversations very personable, right? We'll sit there and say, okay, so how are you doing? You know, are you, are you if for instance, it's June right now. So are y'all going anyplace with the, the family? Maybe they lost a kid. Well, we're thinking about going here. You know, that's a great answer. And we record those things um, so we can track them later. Because, you know, you've got the summer sucks. I hate life. My kid's not here. I'm, I can't get out of bed. Then you've got the, well, you know, it, it's here. We're thinking about doing something, but we're not really sure, you know, or the, oh, yeah, we've already got it planned and we're going. So everybody's in these different phases. So we go through and we ask them how they're doing. And so we can kind of assess their, their mental stability to make sure, you know, one, that they're in a good spot for both themselves and their family. Um, you know, things like, are they engaging in hobbies again? Are they going back to work? Are they being functional? Are, you know, are they planning for the future? Think, things like that. And so when we talk to them, we, we record those things and we have those surveys over time. And we want to make sure that, you know, the families are 
getting the resources they need. And if, if they're having thoughts of self-harm, if they can't get out of bed, if they're depressed, then we work to help them find local resources that'll help them through those issues. It's amazing. And you mentioned a page webpage, which I, I mean, see in your website as well. I'm sorry, say it again. I think well, a web page or what do you call it? A page. Oh, it's a fundraising. Yeah. So, so what we do free of charge is put together a fundraising page of the family. We call it a family page. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got a picture of their loved one on there. They can put it on as many pictures as they want. Um, it's got um, a uh, little a blurb about when service is going to be, the location, time, date, all that. It's got a write-up about the person. And we try to, instead of just doing the kind of the standard obituary, we try to make it a little warmer. You know, we ask the family questions like, you know, what what made them laugh? What, you know, what are they, what will they be remembered for? What was their favorite color? What was their hobby? And we try to do kind of a little soft write-up about who they are. And then people can come on the page, they can leave uh, notes to the family, and they can also donate uh, to the family. And so the family can put a donation button on there, and then they can either raise money for funeral expenses, or maybe if they don't need funeral covered, uh, in lieu of flowers, they could raise money and donate it to a nonprofit that maybe was near and dear to their heart, like, you know, maybe the um, Cancer Society or something like that, that, you know, they can do a donation in the loved one's name. Sometimes they'll raise money and they'll put benches in parks. Um, For Carson, we, we, had a Lego wall put up in his junior high and uh, some benches outside where the parents pick up the kids. So just little things wall. here and there. Yeah, Lego wall. He, Carson really liked Legos. What is a Lego wall? So it's the it's got the gray studs along the wall and then you can put Legos into it. Okay. And then we bought a bunch of different colored Legos. And so the kids will go up and they'll put, they'll like make like little snowmen or birds or whatever it is with all the different colored leggings and so there's a lot of little designs and they've got it in the corner of the library so the kids can go over there and play with leggings in their off time did i see that the page can help with um meal organization as well if someone wants yeah. to pass off meals yeah we can you know um we can go through and put on a link to let people sign up for meals you know and one of the things that's really nice about the page it, it's uh customizable they control all the content that's on there. Um, we change it for them, we build it, but they they control it. One of the things that I found a little frustrating when um, we went through the funeral home we used for Carson was I, I didn't want flowers because flowers are gonna be dead in a day or two days. I wanted them to donate money to my other two boys college fund or the fund we'd set up for Carson to do the Lego wall and the, and the benches. And they had uh, flower advertisements on there because they probably had some kind of contract with a national flower company. And I asked them, can we remove those from the page they had set up for Carson? And they said, no, sorry, we have a national contract. And so we got a whole lot of flowers that we really didn't want uh, because we couldn't control the content on that page. And so what we do is we, we allow the family to control that content. And if they want to put something in there about sending flowers or no flowers or whatever it is, we can, we can make sure we meet the family's needs. Great. Anything else you want to share about what Carson's village does? Well, so, you know, the journey to, to healthy grieving is, is a tough one. And so to, to help them down that path, we've got a, a few things that we're launching or have launched. We've got a, a group support that uh, families that have lost somebody can come back. So we have a free group support that meets uh, on a monthly basis. It's uh, the second Tuesday of every month. 
that allows families to come back. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I realized on a personal level that when, when I get to talk about Carson's village, I talk about Carson all the time. So every time I do that, a little of the weight comes off my shoulder, but when we piloted the, the group support, people were coming in and I realized that a lot of folks don't have anybody else to tell their story to because they lose a kid. They can go to their best friend and say, you know, or neighbor and say, oh, yeah, I lost my kid. And you can say that four or five times. But after a while, they're like, OK, we, we get it. You lost your kid. Stop bringing the party down kind of thing. And all of a sudden that can feel very isolating to some people where they feel like they don't have anybody they can go to anymore. And that group support really gives them that opportunity to interact with people that are in the same situation they're in. And I just, I hadn't realized the power of that until I saw it in action when we started doing the, the, the group support process last year and how important it is for people to be able to just tell their story again and again and again and again. And every time you tell it, it, it the weight comes off a little bit more. And so that, that, that ability is, you know, as, as nice to have. So we have a group support and then we're rolling out a uh, pilot program for a peer to peer where we're going to connect uh, one person who's had a loss with someone's had a similar loss that's gone through our training process. So we've got about, um, we've got a program that we've got volunteers in that have had some type of loss in their past. And then when they graduate out of our program, they'll be paired up with someone with a loss. So if an advocate finds somebody that they're helping that would, you know, sounds like it needs, they need a peer, then maybe it's a, a mom that had a miscarriage with another mom that's had a miscarriage, you know, and we, we want people to be two years out of their grief so that they can be in a good place to help them. But that gives somebody, someone they can talk to. It's not a professional counselor. It's just someone that's been down that road that they can relate to, that they can see what happened to them and how they managed and, and just give them some guidance on, you know, some of the, the bumps that are going to be coming. Um, and then as well as, and this is how we were connected, we're, we're in the process of launching a map that'll not only identify grief counselors uh, that we've gone through and vetted, but also attorneys for probation, you know, for, 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 for probate. Um, that was one of the things we had people ask too, you know, they've got estates that they're complicated or they've got probate questions and we didn't have a good resource to give them. So we're putting together the, the list of all the attorneys so that we can give them um, uh, an opportunity for, you know, here's a full service, they'll charge you. Here's one with a sliding scale. Here's one that maybe you'll do it pro bono, but it takes a little bit more time. And just to give them options when they start looking to answer some legal issues they might have. So that map hopefully should be rolling out in the next few weeks. And then it won't have every state yet, but whereas we meet people and get the get the attorneys and counselors on there, we'll start populating the states as we go. Yeah. And you, the advocates will serve anyone throughout the country. Yep, sir. Okay. And we our advocates both. Uh, we have Spanish and English speaking, obviously English speaking. But our advocates can uh, uh, help uh, Spanish speaking families. Great, good to know. And it seems funny to ask about growth because, in some way, I mean, but but death is part of part of our lives. Um, you, you know, and that's one thing that as we were looking at this, you know, if you look at major life events. You look at birth or you look at, um, you know, if you've got cancer or a wedding. I mean, there's all kinds of books about what to do and checklists and everything is there except for death. And then when it comes to death, it's, um, oh, just 
go over there and take care of this and, and do it on your own or do it with limited resources. And that's the major debt. That's the major event. One of the major events in life that everybody's going to have to deal with at some point, but it's not as fun as a birth or a wedding or as happy. And so just material and support's not there. And, and we're trying to change that. Well, it's interesting because I was, I was preparing for this. I was thinking about how, who's going to find you. Right. And it, it is like, if you're preparing for a birth, you have time <laughs> to yeah. figure out resources and do that research. Whereas, you know, when you lost Carson, you had no time uh, yeah. at all. And it's, it's, I, I'm glad to hear, I was thinking about how do people find you would have to be a friend. So these people listening to this podcast. Um, but so that's good to know that you have like Red Cross and other yeah. That makes sense that those first responders, in a way, the people that are going to be around that person can can provide you as a resource. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we talk to first responders all the time and, you know, counselors and nurses. And, you know, a lot of times when something like this happens, a family member or friend will step up and say, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. And their answer, like mine, was call a funeral home. And we're trying to change that to be call Carson's Village, because not only will we, will we help with the funeral, but then everything after the fact. And so we want to make sure we're there to, to help them, you know, when they need that help. Um, and so all, a lot of this information is on our website. Uh, you can go to that again, carsonsvillage.org. Um, we do work off donations, you know, so we're always... Uh, we're always looking if there's an opportunity to, to partner up with somebody or for people to donate to us, they can go to our website and donate. We've got a, not that it's going to matter in Alaska, but we've got a, our big golf tournament coming up in a few months. And so that's one of our major fundraisers for the year. We have, we have grants that we've, we've received as well, but uh, right now, you know, we're living on philanthropic dollars. And so every donation uh, it has a big impact on, on helping our families. Great. Thank you. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> so good to know. Can donate on the website and can we'll link to the website and uh, tell the phone number again. It's uh, 877-789-0722. Okay. And we had, you know, a, kind of a side story. We uh, last a uh, couple of years ago, I had someone reach out to me and she said that they were working to get a word in the dictionary uh, after their father passed and they wanted that they, they wanted to know if Carson village could be a benefit beneficiary of that. And they had, they had researched this and figured, found out who we were and said, you know, we could have really used you when our dad passed. And I was like, okay, but you know, what word do you want to get in? And they said, or bisculate. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And so she was uh, having, there's a brother and a sister and um, their dad passed from COVID in March of 2020. And sometime before that, she was having lunch with a friend and she stuck her spoon in her fruit and it shot juice on her. And she made a comment that it orbisculated on her. And her friend's like, uh, what is that? And she goes, it orbisculated. And he was like, you know, that's not a word. So she goes, yeah, it is. I've been using it forever. So they made this $5 bet. They went and looked it up. Turns out it was not a word. She lost her $5. Then she went back to her dad and said, uh, what's going on? I, I thought orbisculate was a word. He said, well, funny story. When I was in college, I took a creative writing class and we had to make up a word for the class. And so I made up uh, orbisculate. And so uh, she goes, well, now we're on a mission to get it in the dictionary. And we want you, you to be a beneficiary of 
you know, any, any uh, donations that come in and they, they've been very kind to us. Uh, they've done a really good job. They're in the news. Um, they're on the Ellen, De, uh, De, uh, excuse me, Ellen DeGeneres show. They're picked of as the word in New Zealand, I think in 2021. So they're well I on their way. I think I've heard that story. So maybe. Oh, have you? Yeah, which I can't think. I want to say away with words, but I haven't been listening to that show lately. I don't, but I I swear I've heard that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, so every time you buy something on the Orbisculate website, a little piece of it goes to uh, Carson's village. So a big shout out to Hillary and Jonathan. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the partnership. They've been really nice to us. And they but, have a website. They sell stuff. They do. They have a website orbisculate.com. So you, okay. Uh, so you go Thank there you and, uh, and go buy a t-shirt. Uh, how do you spell uh, for people not looking at the show notes and for me for that matter? So orbisculate, you spell it O-R-B-I-S-C-U-L-A-T-E. That's what I, that's just how it sounds. And as it turns out, it, their website is orbisculate.com because nobody else had the word orbisculate as a website. Shock Go off. figure. Yes. So, so they've been a great partner. So, so organizations like that that reach out to us and make us beneficiaries of things like that, that also helps us uh, uh, we'll do what we do. Because we don't ever charge families for what we do, and I don't ever want to charge families for what we do because it's such a, a tough time that, you know, that's the last thing I want to do is go, hey, for 150 bucks or whatever, I could, you know, help you through this, and I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. Good. Well, that's a great place to end, but I do want to ask if you have any, we've been talking about transition throughout this whole thing, but is there any other tip that you want to give someone besides calling Carson's village upon the death of a loved one, but just a, a transition life transition tip that could be related to what we've been talking about or. Well, so, so for those that are hearing this and haven't lost anybody, enjoy every minute you have. Go home tonight and give everybody an extra big hug and I love you and take lots and lots of pictures because that's one of the things I often hear is they always say I didn't take enough pictures. I should have had taken more pictures. Mm -hmm. So make sure everybody in your life that you know knows that you love them. That's that's the first thing. And then when something does happen, you know, it's it's important to to take care of yourself. You know, you want to make sure that you're getting the mental help you need. Um, you know, we talk about helping families and we often ask about the children in the house, but the first thing we do is make sure the parents are taking care of themselves because parents can't help the children if they can't help themselves. It's kind of like when that oxygen mask drops in the plane, you need to put it on first and then you can help your kids. And, and that's what you need to be doing when you're going through this. And, and also to our, our mentioned it before, remember everybody grieves in a different way, just because they're not grieving like you grieve doesn't mean they've moved on, doesn't mean that they're not thinking about that person every single day. It just means they're not showing it or they're doing it a different way. So just make sure you honor how everybody grieves and, and don't compare losses. Everybody, something that somebody's lost, whether it's a pet or a child, if that's the biggest thing they've lost, that's the most grief they've felt in their life. And, and you don't want to go and try to compare, oh, well, I lost this, you lost that, my grief is more than your grief, because that all, that doesn't do any good. That you, you need to honor the grief they're going through and let them grieve in the way they need to grieve. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for your time and sharing so generously with us. 
I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. It's been fun getting to know you and uh, I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. Sounds great. Have a great afternoon. You too. That's all for this week. You can find show notes for this show and prior episodes and future episodes at lizsmithlaw.com. And if you're interested in scheduling a meeting with us to find out what your next step would be for your estate planning, visit us at bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Again, that's bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Or find the link at lizsmithlaw.com. We look forward to seeing you again right here, same place, same time, two weeks from now. Thank you so much.